we have to talk Star Wars this week. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast, where we discuss the world of film from a fresh angle. And now your host, Robert Yanis Jr. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast, this is Rob. And if at any point during this episode I end up talking a little more quietly than usual, it's probably because I have a sleeping toddler in the next room. But enough of that. So since the recording of our last episode in which Kai and I talked about office space, of course, Star Wars Celebration went down in Chicago. And if you have at all ever listened to this podcast, you know that I'm a tremendous Star Wars fan. So of course, of course, this is normally the show where we democratize the film criticism community and conversation by talking to professional critics and fans alike about a film that really means something to them. So in a way, I guess it is kind of fitting that we're talking about Star Wars again on this podcast. This is episode 112 of the the full life cycle of the Crooked Table podcast, not just uh, the more recent format. And uh, in a way, it's fitting that we're talking about Star Wars because Star Wars is something, a film or franchise rather, that means a lot to me. So um, turning the, you know, turning the focus towards something that I enjoy. And, you know, this is my show, so I have uh, carte blanche to to shift topics uh, at will when it when the um, occasion calls for it. And this is definitely one of those. So uh, this week uh, we're talking about Star Wars Episode Nine, and just a little scene setting first. I Obviously, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I, I've recorded episodes uh, about uh, The Force Awakens. Kai and I did a two-part about what we were thinking might happen or anticipating with that film and then our review of it. I did an episode where I talked about Rogue One briefly. I did an episode where I talked about Solo briefly. Um, I did an episode where I talked about my own personal experience with Star Wars as a franchise. Uh, and I'll try to remember to link to that in the show notes below. Um, just telling my story about how I discovered the franchise and all that, because I did not, I was not one of those little kids that grew up with Star Wars toys. I didn't actually really discover it until I was in high school, or until like right before high school, right before the um, the original trilogy special edition hit theaters is when I got into it. So those were actually the versions of the films that I grew up with, and uh, the merchandise and all that stuff uh, that preceded the prequels by only a couple of years that really hooked me in. So. Um, so I'm still coming, you know, although I did grow up with Star Wars to, to an extent, uh, it's very much something that I didn't really get super into until my teenage years. So um, weirdly, I did not do an episode on The Last Jedi, so I should probably just just to explain uh, explain my thoughts on the n- subsequent film, the one we're going to talk about here. Um, I I really love The Last Jedi. I know it's very divisive in, in uh, fan culture right now, and I know that uh, I actually, you know, have fan uh, have friends that that appreciate Star Wars as a whole, but didn't didn't like Star uh, Last Jedi left them kind of cold. And I have other friends that agree with me and think it's one of the best uh, one of the best films in the franchise. I put it personally in definitely in the top three, but in the conversation with A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back. I just think that film is outstanding on. Pretty much every level. Uh, I do think a little bit of the Canto Bite stuff is is a bit much, um, and I can see why the the sort of jarring creative decisions that Ryan Johnson made with regards to uh, especially Luke and uh, Ray's parentage and things like that. The the way that it took the the traditional Star Wars trajectory and cast it aside and subvert its expectations with the um, spoilers, I guess, for The Last Jedi. If you're listening to this and you're a Star Wars fan, you've seen The Last Jedi, whether you love it or hate it, probably like 400 times anyway, Um, regarding Snoke's death, uh, regarding the fact that Rey's parents are no one, and regarding Luke's sort of passing of the torch and his decision to seclude himself from... Uh, from the resistance so that they could flourish without him. I think all of that fit really well. I think the pacifist take on Luke really uh, fits in with where we left him in The Return of the Jedi and how he would respond to this particular situation. Uh, I really liked uh, Kelly Marie Tran as Rose. I think some of that stuff is a little on the nose uh, as far as... um, you know, like the uh, environmental message or like the animal rights thing going on with the fathers and stuff like that. So I understand some of those points, but it's also Star Wars is made to appeal to everyone. And some of those messages aren't particularly meant for adults. Some of those messages, I think, are meant to be more more directed towards the younger uh, members of the audience. I mean, not to the extent of something like The Phantom Menace, which is like ridiculous, like, like a, a goofy kids movie with like poop jokes and stuff. Uh 
even though I, I do, there are certain things about that film that I also appreciate, but you may be hearing about that in an upcoming episode. Um, so back to The Last Jedi, just I, I thought Ryan Johnson handled it beautifully. Uh, the Leia storyline, I thought, really set the stage for her to do something special in the next film, which sadly, we we're probably getting a kind of muted version of that due to Carrie Fisher's passing. Um the score was outstanding, and John Williams, of course. And the way it was shot, it doesn't. It looks better than just like the cinematography and the visual effects. It looks better than pretty much any Star Wars movie that's ever come before it. And I'm a Ryan Johnson fan in general. Um, you've, if you listen to this podcast regularly, you've heard me talk uh, to Adam Barnard about Looper. Um, I also really like the Brothers Bloom and Breck and things like that. So I think he's a, an outstanding filmmaker, and I'm excited to see more of what he brings to this world. And I think. Um, you know, he did kind of throw a monkey wrench in whatever plan J.J. had cooking. But honestly, I think Ryan Johnson's take on the mythology is kind of more compelling than uh, than what J.J. did with The Force Awakens, which was like 60, 60 to 70 percent remake slash reboot of A New Hope and like 30 percent. Hey, here are new characters that can take it forward. So um, The Last Jedi I was a huge fan of that. And uh, it really, I don't understand I mean, I understand because a lot of it's questionable people that are that are uh, so up in arms about it. Like, what? You can't have a women in roles of authority. Why is Paul listening to Laura Dern and things like that? And that's just, that's a contentious uh, contentious part of the fan base. I know there are people that have their legit issues with it based on storytelling decisions, and I understand that. Even if I don't, uh, even if I don't agree with it, but I, I think the kind of rage and fervor that is spurred out because of the last jedi is really ridiculous and y'all need to chill the fuck out with that in my opinion uh it's still star wars and it's trying something new it's trying to open up the world from just the skywalker saga and from retreading those same beats which is the issues that i had with uh, rogue one to an extent even though i think that film does can bring more to the franchise uh, but certainly Solo, which was basically a Wikipedia checklist of here's how he got his gun, here's how he met Chewie, here's how he got the, you know, all that, and felt, like completely unnecessary. And it could have just been a comic book. There was no need for that to be a movie if you really needed to tell that story. Uh, so I, I've i always been on the side. I know some people disagree with this, but since the Disney purchase of Lucasfilm, I've always been the si- on the side of the sequel trilogy. Like, I was a huge fan of Force Awakens, despite its flaws. It was the first one back after a decade, and arguably the first one back in for, after 30 years, since it was really picking up from Return of the Jedi. Uh, and I was sort of lukewarm on Rogue One, and I loved The Last Jedi, as I mentioned. And Solo, I was even more lukewarm on than, than, than Rogue One. No pun with lukewarm. Um, so I'm... I've been really hyped for episode nine just since like the third time I finished last Jedi in theaters, uh, which is about the max when I see a movie, how many times I see a movie in theaters these days. So I had very high expectations going into star Wars celebration, Chicago, uh, hoping that we were going to get a lot of interesting things, uh, from this film. I know that there's been a lot of talk back and forth on the future of the franchise. I know Bob Iger is like, oh, we're going on hiatus after this one. And Kathleen Kennedy's like, uh-uh, we're mapping out the next decade. And I think it makes sense. I think what he means by hiatus is they don't have a film for 2020 or for even maybe 2021. And uh, I think that's a smart move. I think they do need to take a step back after this era of the franchise, see what worked, what didn't, um, develop a new, you know, new avenues of storytelling that don't focus on this on the Skywalker since this is said to be the end of that saga and uh, Knights of the Old Republic get or, you know, take it into the, the deep past or the deep future. Uh, it's all a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away anyway. So why not? I'm all about that and mixing it up and expanding this world. If, if Rogue One and Solo taught us nothing else, it, it, it is that we need to move beyond A New Hope and Luke Skywalker and uh, in his core group of people and expand out the rest of this universe. There's a whole bunch of other stories, stories that can be explored here. And it seems ridiculous to keep mining that well and being, you know, like the Chewie movie, the Lando movie, the... The Leia, like, we don't need movies for all these people. We've seen their storylines played out in an ensemble form, so let's move on. Um, and to me, it's crazy how, and this, I guess, is kind of underlying the point of how this is going to be a record-breaking year for Disney going forward, not only with these two films I'm about to mention, but also Frozen 2 and Toy Story 4 and The Lion King and Aladdin and Artem's Fowl, and there's so much coming out. I think Maleficent, Mal- Maleficent it's, it's early, guys. Maleficent 2 is also coming out this year. 
But to me, it's kind of crazy how 2019 we're getting the uh, Star Wars Episode Nine finally hitting theaters, ending the Skywalker saga after 42 years, essentially, if you go from Episodes 1 through 9, and Avengers Endgame, which is the end of a 22-film story arc, all culminating in this insane, what sounds like it's going to be a three-hour experience, that unfortunately some of which has already leaked online. So, you know, people are, are super hy- hyped about these two films. I do not think that uh, Star Wars Episode Nine, which I'm holding back the title reveal on purpose, but I don't think that that is at all going to make the same amount of money as uh, Avengers Endgame or anywhere near it, or even Force Awakens. I do think it's going to probably outgross The Last Jedi, just because that tends to be, if you look at the other trilogies in the Star Wars saga, uh, A New Hope made a ridiculous amount of money, Empire made a lot less, Return of the Jedi more than Empire less than A New Hope, Phantom Menace, ridiculous amount of money. Attack of the Clones made a lot less. Revenge of the Sith outgrossed Attack of the Clones. So that's probably what's going to happen with Star Wars Episode Nine. Avengers Endgame is probably going to be the highest grossing movie of all time, if we're being realistic. So these two major Disney-owned properties are reaching huge turning points this this year with Endgame and Episode Nine, And it, I think it's very fascinating to me that that is happening, especially since those are the two franchises that I personally, as a, you know, fan of these kind of blockbuster genre fare, um, the, the two that I think I've been, I and most hardcore movie, uh, movie people, movie geeks have been following the most closely. So just to go ahead and lean into a little bit of the format that we normally do, let's go ahead and listen to a little bit of the trailer for Star Wars Episode Nine right now. We've passed on all we know. A thousand generations live in you now. But this is your fight. That was a little bit of the trailer for Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. And a little peek behind the curtain here. It's always really hard to pick out the 30-second or so sample from the trailer to throw on these episodes. But this one was particularly hard. I went back and forth a couple of times because I really wanted to put Luke's voiceover from the beginning in there. But then, of course, there's a big stinger at the end of the trailer, which we'll get to in a minute that uh, I wanted to include. So ultimately, I was just like, ah, first, first, first opening trailer, because once you hit the music, it's forget it. It's you kind of cut it off right before that music swells. Otherwise, we're going to be listening to the whole trailer. Not, not that it's, you know, not that I mind, but, you know, copyright and uh, et cetera, et cetera. So since we're doing this in the context of a review, let's move into that part of it. Um, so this trailer, a lot, uh, so many thoughts as I was watching this trailer for the first of what must, must be a dozen times by now. And I, I like the way that it starts off very, um, very subdued. It starts off on Ray with making it very clear that, yeah, this is the end of a Sky, the Skywalker saga, but this is also very much the end of Ray's journey. I think uh, it, you can tell just from the opening 30 seconds or so that Daisy Ridley's character has learned a lot, has done probably done a lot of training, and we're getting a very significant time jump uh, between The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker, uh, probably a couple years at least, or, or a year or two. And, um, you know, the fact that she's so attuned to the Force that she's capable of pulling off that move, which is in and of itself a outstand- an outstanding way to open the trailer just to to give you that, just in that sense of the visual storytelling, that in that instance, you know exactly how far she's come uh, from The Last Jedi, where she was basically discovering the extent to which she can use, use the Force with the, the lifting rocks and all that stuff at the end of the film there. I do think that a lot of people have dissected this trailer, obviously, quite a bit. There's been a million a million articles written about it, probably other podcasts doing the exact same thing I'm doing. Um, but I do think there's a lot of a lot to, to dig into just in Luke's voiceover. So I wanted to jump into that for a second. So he's talking about, oh, we've passed on all we know. A thousand generations live in you now, but this is your fight. Considering this is supposed to be the culmination of nine films... 
and we know that Luke is most likely going to return as a Force ghost, I think this is a really good opportunity for the film. And whether or not, you know, J.J. Abrams takes advantage of this, I think this is a good opportunity to have all kinds of Jedi uh, that we've interacted with over the course of the saga show up in, in Council Ray, so she can have kind of her own little mini Jedi Council. Considering that this is the end of everything uh, for Ray for the storyline, I wouldn't be surprised if, yes, Luke shows up, but we also see Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan, Liam Neeson as Qui-Gon, uh, Frank Oz as Yoda. I mean, granted, Ray doesn't know these people, but Luke can always make introductions from beyond into, from the Force. And uh, it would be a great callback to the end of Return of the Jedi, where we see Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Luke, uh, and Yoda all appearing to Luke. Luke doesn't really, well, I guess he, he knows Anakin, well, not Hayden Christensen and Anakin, but I guess he has to just, you know, process of elimination it. Um, but I think this is a good opportunity to have any or any or all of those characters, even Mace Windu, uh, show up in the franchise one last time in the main saga. And, uh, you know, I know Samuel L. Jackson and Ewan McGregor specifically have mentioned their willingness to return to the film and some to the series in some capacity. Hayden Christensen showed up in Chicago and seemed like he, you know, was had moved past a little bit all the crap that he got for uh, for the prequels. And so I think I wouldn't be surprised if we get a kind of a stealth group cameo in the in the way that we got Yoda showing up in The Last Jedi, um, just because the way that, again, the way that Luke said, a thousand generations live in you now, we have passed on all we know, a collective thing that you know, Luke is saying to Rey. So obviously Luke is Rey's direct mentor, but... I wouldn't be surprised if we if if JJ sneaks in. We know this is going to be a movie like packed to the gills with fan service. I wouldn't be surprised if they take advantage of the fact that all these heroes have become one with the Force. At least you know we know that Qui Gon has through uh, at least in the films through the voiceovers and things like that. And there's I know he's appeared in some of the animated things as a uh, as a, as a Force ghost to Obi Wan I believe, but I'm not 100 percent on that. Uh, we know Obi-Wan has, Anakin has, Yoda has. So, I mean, there's precedent for that to follow through. So I would not be surprised if we see those all, all those characters showing up, uh, even briefly here, to uh, to provide Rey with the, the information and the training that she needs to take on the First Order, Kylo Ren, who has a really cool moment in here where he's taking down what hooded figures that appear that I think everybody's assuming they're the Knights of Ren, but we don't know if that's a flashback. We don't know... Uh, what the context of that is they're honestly they're just people in hoods and as we know from the big cameo at the end of this trailer hoods are very big in the star wars universe the jedi wear hoods so i mean i don't know what that means exactly black cloaks doesn't exactly equate knights of ren necessarily so um i think one thing that, that kind of worries me about this trailer and i know other last jedi fans agree with this as well is that um the fact that kylo ren is repairing his helmet the fact that the uh, we got that laugh at the end of the trailer makes me a little concerned that they are trying to sort of retcon some of the Last Jedi stuff. I really want the sequel trilogy to own the directions that Ryan Johnson has gone in uh, regarding Ray's parentage, regarding obviously Snoke kind of just being a you know uh, inconsequential. I think that is more interesting. We've seen the puppet master thing before, and probably going to see it in this film, but from the same character, so it's not it doesn't feel as repetitive. So I worry that they're taking Kylo's character a step backwards. I mean, him just repairing the helmet doesn't necessarily mean that. It could be just a closing of the loop of this sequel trilogy, and I hope that's what they're going for. I like to think J.J. will respect Ryan Johnson's um, creative decisions enough to, to, to toe that line between closing off the trilogy that he started and the saga proper and, uh, you know, overstepping and redo undoing some of the the progress and some of the surprises that the last jedi had in store um because if, if there's anything else if there's anything that i'm concerned about it's don't don't undermine the the great moment in there where kylo ren turned on snoke don't undermine luke's death like i don't want to see a lot i love luke skywalker and mark hamill in 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 particular but i don't want to see luke come back from the, the dead i don't i don't think we need that in this in this movie I don't, I don't want to see Han Solo. I don't want to see anybody come back from the dead. So that's a good transition into <laughs> what I've been dancing around this whole episode so far. Palpatine's laugh at the end of the trailer. So what do, how do I feel about that? Uh, I, mixed. Uh, mixed is how I feel about that. I just said I don't want any characters to come back to life. Um, 
And there's a lot of ways he could be in this movie and not necessarily be rematerializing. Like, uh, it's a weird reference, but the Huntsman Winter's War style, where at the end of the movie, Charlie Theron's like, guess what? I'm here for the end. They paid me enough to show up for the climax. Um, so I, I hope that that does not happen because I think that would be really cheapening Ray's journey thus far, which has really been centered on Kylo and the First Order. It's interesting we don't see, um, well, I mean, we don't see a lot of any new characters here, but we also don't see uh, Hux at all in this trailer. So I wonder how big of a role Donald Gleeson has in this film to begin with. And it has already been confirmed that Captain Phasma will likely not be back, that she is dead. I think John Boyega said that recently. So that's a bummer. I was kind of like the running joke of everybody thinks she's dead and she just keeps showing up. Um, so Palpatine, I'm hoping he shows up here as uh, as either a vision or or a Sith ghost, which we've never seen. We've never seen a, we've seen Jedi ghosts, but we've never seen a Sith ghost. And if part of the Force powers is the ability to tap into living beyond the grave in spirit form, then maybe that's a way to have him like interacting with the characters in the moment in the present time of this storyline but not be 100% back to life, not having uh, Peter Pettigrew drop in his, making a spell and like reconfiguring him or anything. Um, that's a Harry Potter reference, obviously, for those who don't know. And I, I mean, I, I, Kai and I saw uh, Ian McDermott at a panel at, a, I think it was Megacon. Megacon or Tampa Bay Comic Con? I can't remember, but like a couple of years ago. And he's actually appeared with Darth Maul. Oh, uh, well, see, Darth Maul. See, that just goes to show you that I see him as Darth Maul. With Ray Park, they appeared in the same panel. And um, I would love to see, you know, I love to, I love the idea of Green McDermott back in this, in this franchise. I think he was severely underrated in the Re- Revenge of the Sith. I actually think his performance in that film is probably one of the best in the saga, in all the Star Wars films, because he manages in one role to kind of to be more understated and menacing as Palpatine and then really ham it up <laughs> as uh, Sidious towards the end where he's doing all the laughing with with Yoda and and uh, all of that stuff. So I, I, I love the idea of him coming back. I just very, very cautiously optimistic about how JJ is going to handle that because I don't want it to cheapen Vader's decision at the end of Return of the Jedi or to make this whole storyline, Ray and, and Finn and Poe and Kylo's story, uh, like superseded by the the last the main six episodes, which were really George Lucas's brainchild, in which Palpatine was the ultimate puppet master. Now, if they extend that somehow, and he's affecting things here, like um, somehow influencing Snoke, which led to Kylo. Or whether he, you know, interacted with Kylo himself behind the scenes. You know, there's a lot of mystery surrounding who knew who Darth Vader was, that he was Anakin Skywalker. Um, You know, does Kylo even know that his grandfather, who was this badass Sith, who, you know, helped to conquer the galaxy, does he know that ultimately his grandfather made the noble decision in the end and actually killed the Empire himself? There's, a, I think, I have a feeling that's going to play into this, that maybe that if Kylo is at all quasi-redeemed, I think it it will play, um, the fact that his grandfather, who he's been worshipping in this super evil badass, I guess, um, will, that he ultimately decided to choose the love for his son and his family, the Skywalker family, again, tying into the rise of Skywalker, um, over the, the allure of the dark side and and the Sith and and uh, Emperor Palpatine and things like that. So I, I think that, so in, in short, I am excited to see Palpatine's role in this, but I hope it is minimal and I hope that um, it's done, this sounds weird to say tastefully, but I hope it's done, I hope it's done tastefully and not to encroach on any of the story beats that have come in the past, if that makes sense. Um, there looks like there's a lot of, let's see, what else do I want to say here? Uh, it looks like there's a lot of callbacks, visual callbacks to Return of the Jedi here. They're on some kind of a forest planet at some point here. It looks like the ruins of the second Death Star with the satellite dish that you can see at, at the actually the last shot of the trailer, right before we get the laugh. Um, and so I, I like that reverence for history. I think that's really cool. Uh, it's one of my favorite things in The Force Awakens, in a way, honestly, is, oh, look, there's this downed, you know, Star Destroyer and, and uh, you know, the effect of, of um, this galactic civil war that took place and how, 
yeah, we thought that we'd freed the galaxy, but not really, because the ashes of the Empire brought upon the for- First Order and things. So I, I like that. I like when the, the series, and that's and that's one thing that I can see some people of, that didn't care for The Last Jedi sort of criticizing. It did take things in such a new direction that it didn't really feel like it followed the uh, the events of the past as much. So this is, Force Awakens had that in spades, and it looks like this is going to re- refer to that as well, being like, look, they're on a forest planet, kind of like Endor. Not really, but just like the, the planet in, uh, oh, crate in the Last Jedi, I almost forgot the name of the planet. It's covered with salt, but you thought it was snow because we, you thought we were just going to Hoth all over again. Um, I like those kind of toying with the visual iconography, and that's something that Lucas is always t- quoted as saying, like, oh, oh, it's just like poetry, it rhymes, and all that whole thing. Um, so bringing it back around so that they're on another forest planet, so that the Death Star and Palpatine are critical, just like they were in Revenge of the Sith, just like they were in Return of the Jedi. I'm fine with that. I just don't want Palpatine to emerge as the big bad that Rey and Kylo have to uh, team up against because that was the bullet we basically dodged in The Last Jedi. What I loved about the way that film ended is that, one, it opened it up for anyone to be a Jedi. It opened up the possibility of Luke's sacrifice to really like incite a, uh, a reawakening of the, uh, the resistance. I like that it, it led, it, 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 cut off what we we thought that the the sequel trilogy was always going to be leaning towards the same kind of thing that we saw in the in the original trilogy which is Rey and Kylo and Snoke in a throne room Snoke is uh, you know the whole tempting Rey to turn to the dark side and like very much the Luke Vader Palpatine situation and the fact that we kind of got that in the last Jedi and then it it flipped it on us by having the quote big bad Oft halfway through the sequel trilogy. I love that. I thought that was super thrilling. And I I, I, I know some fans um, maybe have lamented the fact that, oh, I don't even know what there is to be excited about in episode nine. I don't even know what's going to happen. That's what there is to be excited about for me as a Star Wars fan. I, I like that I'm going into The Rise of Skywalker, not really knowing where the hell this is going. It's going to end. We know that <laughs> this trilogy and the Skywalker, the nine part Skywalker saga is going to end. Uh, but I don't know what the big standoff is going to be. I don't know if Kylo is going to be redeemed, if now if Palpatine is going to be the X-Factor. But I hope that they don't flip back around and then we're back in the, in, the, in another throne room <laughs> with Palpatine, Kylo, and Rey. I think that would be, that's exactly kind of what I'm afraid of with the fact that Palpatine is in this movie. So hopefully his he, it will be more his influence uh, hovering over this movie rather than his physical presence. To that end, I know a lot of people speculated, oh, The Rise of Skywalker, what does that mean? I think The Rise of Skywalker isn't necessarily Luke coming back from the dead or Rey being a, a, a Skywalker. Again, I don't want, I'm hoping that J.J. Abrams doesn't undermine The Last Jedi uh, in that way. So if Rey is not a Skywalker or a Kenobi or a Palpatine, I think that would really better serve the end of The Last Jedi in that, you know, you're inspiring. Luke's sacrifice inspires the galaxy and those the little broom boy that he thinks, he, I could be a Jedi too. Just don't talk about midi-chlorians. Um, so I, I hope that, that that doesn't happen. So if J.J. is going to directly follow what the themes of The Last Jedi were and what that story was trying to do for the saga and expand it out beyond Anakin, Luke, and uh, Leia, and now Kylo, the Skywalker line. I think that the rise of Skywalker more likely directly references the legend of Skywalker. The fact that this one family, starting with Anakin, and then his, ch- his children, and then his grandson, I think that the way that they have changed the galaxy irrevocably. So I hope that what's happening here. And I just saw, I'm kind of jumping ahead a little, but I think that it's, what's going to happen here is that Skywalker is referring to the legend of Skywalker, the impact that this, and as this, the trailer says, every generation has a legend. For, for movie fans like me, like us, um, this Star Wars has become like the, like the predominant mythos in, in the way, like these are the stories that these are the stories that we pass down to our kids. Like, I haven't really shown this to my daughter very much yet because she's two years old and Star Wars isn't quite there at that level with, uh, you know, with um, 
I don't know what she, what does she watch these days? Uh, but you know, it's not like Mickey mouse or something like that. It's not quite two year old level. So even though it is owned by Mickey mouse. Um, so these are the stories that we pass down to our kids. These are the stories that people that love these films that are, are enraptured by this world that like cry watching the trailer are anxious to show their children, be like, Oh, you're almost old enough to watch star Wars, which yeah, that's me a little bit, but it's also, okay. That's a lot. It's something that's me a lot, but, um, just as that is the reflective in our world and this sequel trilogy has been nothing if not a meta commentary on fans, the, the story, the stories of the Skywalkers, Anakin and Luke and Leia and Kylo are the ones that the characters, and I only say Kylo, even though he's not the hero because he is the Skywalker uh, lineage. Um, these are the stories that the people within Star Wars will pass along to subsequent generations. It's like, oh, a long time ago, there was this guy named Luke Skywalker who stood down the First Order. And that's where The Last Jedi leaves us. The Last Jedi literally brings us it literally has characters playing with Star Wars action figures at the end of the film. And I think that's a beautiful sentiment. And I hope that this film respects that and uh, moves forward with it, allowing that legacy to conclude gracefully and carry on into whatever stories they tell uh, set after this point. I know we're probably going to get, like I said, Knights of the Old Republic and some things back in, in the past. I know The Mandalorian. I don't even remember when that's set but I think it's before Force Awakens. Like, I, I keep messing with the timeline. That's beautiful. But anything that's set after The Rise of Skywalker, I want that impact to be felt. A um, few random thoughts on the trailer that I wanted to make sure I mentioned. Uh, I love the fact that we finally, after this is the third film, we finally get the main cast of this film, uh, of the Saw trilogy united. We finally get Rey and Poe and Finn and BB-8 all in one place. I think 3PO's there, but, you know, he's kind of an afterthought in these films. Excuse me. Um, so I love the fact that that's going to happen in this movie. I, I think that it's long overdue, and I know that the actors have also said that that was a lot more fun, you know, a lot of fun finally being able to work everybody together. I didn't see Rose in that one shot, so I don't know if she's there as well or what the, the situation was with that. Um, we didn't see any of the new characters here, but it's a teaser, so I wasn't really expecting to see Richard E. Grant or anybody, uh, any of the new cast members showing up here. Um, Leia's moment, of course, hugging Ray, which is reportedly using uh, unused footage from The Force Awakens, kind of interspliced with new shots. So I I'm very curious to see what they do with Leia in this film, to see if um, if they do have to kind of kill her off, sort of, in a way, or if she's just kind of a passive part of the storyline where she, she shows up here and there, but doesn't really impact things. It's, it's, I'm really, really curious to see what kind of unused footage they have and how they're going to manipulate that and fit it into this, the film that they're dealing with, uh, this, the narrative in, at play. Um, I do think it's, it's great that I'm, I'm really happy that they're not going to CG her or recast or anything like that. I think Leia is an integral part of these stories, obviously, but I think that there is also, you know, it's as Luke says in the trailer, this is Rey's fight. And she's Leia doesn't necessarily need to be at the forefront of things. I think the story would have been, you know, I like I love the idea of Force Awakens being like the focus on Han Solo passing the torch. Episode eight being if Luke Last Jedi being Luke passing the torch, and episode nine being Leia passing the torch to her son and and like that whole thing, uh, and kind of tying off the original trio that way. But sadly, that's not what happened. That's not that's not the way it's going to go. And so, dealing with Carrie Fisher's passing, I think uh, I think it's going to be it's going to be very curious to see how they're able to give Leia a satisfying character arc and close off uh, her role in the saga um, with you know with without really resorting to any digital trickery. So I'm very excited to see how they do that. I'm sure I'm going to cry in the theater, just like everybody else who, for whom Leia means a lot. Uh, you know, I do think I do, I do wonder though, too, if Leia hadn't passed away or Leia, if Carrie Fisher hadn't passed away and then they were dealing with the Leia scenario as a result, I do wonder whether or not they would have brought Billy D. Williams back. Like, it, it almost makes me feel that because you're dealing with the limited amount of Carrie Fisher for this film, 
that maybe they they finally were like, all right, let's pull the pull the Lando trigger uh, <laughs> in case of emergency, break break uh, break glass, and um, bring Billy D. Williams into it. I do. I I mean, obviously, I'm so glad that he's finally back in, in this role. I think that they should have had him in the last one. I, I, a lot of like a lot of people, I was kind of hoping he would have been the code breaker. I think that would have been a better opportunity to bring him back in this saga than whatever this is going to be. Most likely at this point, he's just piloting the Millennium Falcon in Ray's absence, um, reclaiming his ship, I guess, and has joined the resistance since uh, since the last Jedi. I don't. It's unclear how they're going to play it, but regardless, it's great to see 82 year old Billy D. Williams laughing it up in, in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon, especially following Solo, where Donald Glover did such a uh, such a beautiful job as that character. Actually, was the standout of the whole movie. They should have made it Lando a Star Wars story, but that's beside the point. Uh, so I, I, I'm really glad to see Billy D. Williams back. I don't think he's going to have that that much to do. I think he's going to just be a, a part of some big some big battle, kind of like he was in Return of the Jedi. But the fact that he's in there at all, I think, is exciting in and of itself, interacting with Chewie and things like that. So, um, and of course, the music in this in this trailer is outstanding. I mean, we're, we're dealing with John Williams closing off uh, his most recognizable set of themes. And so he's got so much to tap into for this film as far as... The Leia theme, the Ray theme, the Dark uh, Imperial March, and all this, all this stuff. So I um, obviously the music is a highlight of the trailer, as it always is for Star Wars movies in general. So very hyped. But in short, very hyped by this trailer. Um, I think they show just enough to get us uh, titillated and, and wondering, whoa, what does this mean? What does this mean? What does the Palpatine laugh mean? What is it? How are all these things going to fit together? Because I'm I've become much more kind of trailer averse in a way. Because so many studios have just been laying everything out there, I think Sony has been particularly bad with it. Um, this is just the first example that popped into my head. Not that Venom is a great movie, but you literally see the ending of the end, last scene of Venom. I mean, not the post credits, but the last scene of Venom is in the trailer with the the turd in the wind, and which is a terrible whatever, which is a terrible line. But you're, they're just literally being like, look, this is, they did it with The Amazing Spider-Man too. They've been really bad with these trailers for Spider-Man movies. Um, so I, 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 I've gotten to trust Lucasfilm or Disney with the Star Wars films and with the Marvel films because we know specifically with Endgame and Infinity War that they're just messing with footage and like trying to, to paint a picture of a climax that probably does not happen at all like it's depicted on screen. And I like that. Lie to me about all of that. I don't want to know whether Iron Man or Captain America or whoever makes it to the end of the movie. And just like here, I don't want to know if Palpatine rematerializes and is, takes over the First Order or, you know, whether, whether you know, Luke is the only Force ghost or how he even appears in this, if it is as a Force ghost. Um or what's going on with Kylo Ren, who he's fighting. Like, I don't want to know all of that stuff. I don't need to know. All I know is Resistance, First Order, Final Battle, Final Clash. Something's going to happen, and it's going to be the end of all of these all of these characters, for, for at least for now. Um, that's all I need to know. I don't want to know additional things. I don't want to have anything spoiled for me. Um, just give me a sense of what I'm dealing with and put me in a the theater, and let's get to December 20th already. So... To speculate a little bit on the title meaning, I did say that I think it's the legend of the Skywalker myth and not hopefully not Ray's name. So what I want to see happen in the film, I kind of alluded to this with the Skywalker thing in the title. I I hope that it, it indicates that there will be a, now finally a balance of the force. And I know that I was even thinking that that would probably be the title of this movie, balance of the force or something with balance, because this whole thing has been like, Episode one started out with, oh, do you think this Anakin, this kid, could bring the Force into balance? Do you think he's the one in the prophecy and all that? And then we've seen, since then, we've seen the Force go out of balance and all over the place. But here's the thing. If Jedi are running things and, and Sith are running things, it's not in balance. There's always one group running things. One one distinct philosophy like deciding or defining what the force is and whether that's Jedi or whether that's Sith, obviously coming from very different places, one more destructive and selfish than the other, not saying they're the same, but there's one, like you're either turning left or you're turning right for the, for the force. And, uh, I think that 
what they've been leaning into with The Last Jedi, uh, especially, is that that's kind of bullshit on both sides. Luke says about how, you know, the Jedi, their arrogance and they just, the Sith grew right underneath their nose. Oh, sorry. Hit the mic. Right underneath their nose, uh, literally ascending to the role of Chancellor of the Republic and then eventually declaring himself Emperor. Uh, And they didn't even know what the hell was going on because they were all up their own ass. And if you watch those prequels, you can kind of see like, wow, these people think that they're really hot shit, but they're kind of missing everything that's important, everything that's important to them. Their whole goal as peacekeepers is to let's let's keep the Sith at bay. Yet the Sith is like standing in the room with them, and they're completely unaware of it. And that goes for Yoda too. Yoda, Mace Windu, all of them. Uh, they were completely oblivious to things because they're they like oh Mace Windu even says in um, in uh, Attack of the Clones like I don't I do not believe the Sith could have returned without us knowing. I'm like uh, yeah they could, or is that in Phantom Menace? One of the prequels, I think Mace Windu says that. It's, you're not even paying attention, dude. <laughs> they're they're all over the place. There's only two of them, and yet they're running things. So I think that the whole thing with Rey, she showed an inclination leaning towards the dark side or a curiosity about the dark side in The Last Jedi, going right for the place that Luke was like, oh, don't go over there. That's the dark side. She's like, wait, I want to see what that's about. And I think that this film is embracing a a uh, larger a larger view of the Force, if you will. In that, you know, one, this is more realistic about people in general, too. And that's why I think it's part of the allegory of, of uh, the Star Wars saga is that no, no person is all light or all dark. We're all a combination of it. Now, whether we act on the light or we act on the dark, that's different. But as far as if we're going to extend that metaphor of, of who you are inside and, and uh, who we are as people in real life to the force abilities in these films... I think it makes more sense for, you know, you're going to be a more balanced person and a, and a more benevolent in a way if you recognize the dark within yourself and you look towards the light, you know, you know, just not ignoring one side of yourself in favor of the other. So I think that that is probably what the true balance of the force is, is that no more Jedi, no more Sith. I've seen some people speculating, oh, maybe they'll call them Skywalkers instead of Jedi and Sith. And I'm like, uh, I mean, okay, that's a little bit like, oh, I like that name. What's that? What's your, I like, you should go by your your real name. What is it? Oh, Robin. Okay. Yeah, we get it. You're Robin, like Batman. Um, so I hope that, I don't know if that's, that'll be a little on the nose, but if they, if they uh, execute it just right and that ends up being what happens, sure, whatever, I'll roll with it. But I like the idea of, the balance of the force not being on one extreme or the other. That's not how balance works. You don't stand on one end of a, of a uh, seesaw and be like, oh, why am I all the way on, on the bottom? Or what the hell? Now this side's on the bottom. Why is it not in balance? Why am I not perfectly? Because you're standing on one side, dumbass. And I kind of feel like that's the situation here, that the balance of the force will be when there's no more Jedi and there's no more Sith. And it's more uh, it's a more balanced, obviously, spiritual uh, enlightenment. And I think that Ray is starting to get there where she's a good person. She, she has good intentions. She means well, but at the same time, she has anger within herself. And rather than push down that anger, that fear that leads to anger, that leads to, uh, suffering and all that stuff. I think that rather than push that fear, push that anger, push that suffering down and ignoring it, Rather than, you know, instead of doing that, embracing it and letting that fuel the good part of her, I think that is a much more, a much healthier and much more conducive to uh, tapping into the depth of the, of the force. So I would not be surprised if that's where they're going with the balance thing and that Ray ends up starting a, a new philosophy of the force and, and whether that means you know, she's teaching it to other people in the end, maybe in a, po- in like the, in like a flash forward scene at the very end of this thing or or whatever or just subsequent material after this whether it's films or comic books or animated series whatever delves into that that's what i think that's what i think see i see happening as far as the ending of this for the skywalkers and of course that philosophy will have been inspired by the skywalker line that will be the rise of skywalker the impact that anakin bringing things into balance as the one with the prophecy who ends up 
flipping, all we see, like I said, I sort of alluded to this earlier before I lost my train of thought. We saw this story start with the Jedi in power it, uh, in the original, in the prequel trilogy. It ends with the Sith in power. Then the Sith are in power throughout the original trilogy. Then it kind of flips back a little bit more, and the Luke defeats the Empire. Vader defeats the Empire, and then Luke obviously is part of that. And then in the sequel trilogy, Luke tried to make something happen, tried to bring the Jedi in power, but they're not really in power, but neither are the Sith really. I don't know. It's unclear. It doesn't seem like Kylo Ren is really a Sith. He's just using the dark side. So you have two heroes in this movie, one who's kind of a Jedi, but also not really uh, subscribing to, to their to their philosophy and their way of doing things. And then the other one using the dark side, but not really in the Sith. So, I mean, I think that that's where we're seeing two force users who are not really Jedi and Sith who are, are attempting to bring the force into balance. So it's sort of a, uh, it's an ideological battle that I think is really what's happening with the resistance in the first order. And I think that that's where it's going to lead. And of course that will have been the direct effect of Anakin and Luke kind of taking the, <laughs> taking the balance and going back and forth with it. So that's what I, I think is going to happen at the end of The Rise of Skywalker. I really also want to see a few more things. I want to see uh, a resolution to to uh, Finn and Rose. Is there going to be a romance there? Are they going to give us the Finn and Poe romance that everybody seems to want on the internet? Uh, are we, is, you know, are we going to get, like, what's the situation there? Where are those three going to fall? As far as uh, either their their relationships, but also like within the greater the greater tapestry of Star Wars, are any of them going to sacrifice themselves to battle the First Order? Is Poe going to become like general if they do kill Leia? Or is Poe going to ascend to the ranks of uh, of general and take over the Resistance in her stead? Uh, is there even going to be need for Resistance by the end of this movie? We don't know what the heck's going on. I would like to see. One thing I would like to see is I, I don't want to see Kylo Ren redeemed. He murdered Han Solo and he's done all kinds of bad shit. And we've already seen that. Most importantly, we've already seen Vader do all kinds of bad shit and then get redeemed at the last second because he killed the Emperor. So I don't want to see Kylo Ren decide, oh, I'm going to kill the Emperor or I'm going to like flip the switch that saves the galaxy or or whatever and look to, you know, follow in my grandfather's footsteps as, as by sacrificing myself. To, uh, to save everyone or anything like that. Like, I don't, I mean, if it happens, I'll probably, I'll probably like it. But at the same time, I don't really want them to do that again. Uh, just like I don't want Palpatine to, to be back in his little, little uh, throne room there, turning around and, and laughing and, and all, all that stuff. Uh, I mean, obviously he'll be laughing. That's his thing. But um, I don't want to see Kylo Ren redeeming himself. Kylo Ren. Did I say Rem? Kylo Ren redeeming himself uh, by the end of this movie. I just, I want him to... Maybe if he if he does redeem himself at the very end and then die, like I don't want him to all of a sudden become a good guy because I think we need to if this is going to be the definitive end of the Skywalker saga, the last person with Skywalker blood needs to not survive it. it is my whole thing. I don't want to see Kylo Ren live on and end up with Rey, which ew because that's not a good idea. He's kind of a terrible person and Rey deserves better. Not that I want Rey to really have a love interest in this. I think I think I, I like the fact that the main heroes in these Star Wars movies, uh, in this trilogy and the original, not the prequel, obviously, because that was the biggest criticism of that movie was the weird Anakin Padme um, romance in Attack of the Clones. Uh, I like the fact that Luke never really had a love love interest in the movies. I love that Rey had never really had a love interest in these movies so far. Um, she has people interested in her with Finn, but. Um, I think that that makes it, th th that's, I think, a much better way of handling this. If you're going to be the hero and you're carrying the weight of the galaxy on your shoulders, you're not going to be like, hey, let's, let's, uh, you know, let's date a little bit or let's make out or whatever. Like, I don't think we need that in these movies. Um, so I'm also hoping for, like I said earlier, cameos from other people in the saga, whether that's Jedi of the past or, um, or something else, something of, this, of that nature remains to be seen. But Anyway, in any case, I'm very excited about The Rise of Skywalker. I've talked about it all for almost 50 minutes now. Um, so I, I'm very optimistic about the way this is going to go. I don't know if I'm going to love it as much as The Last Jedi, but um, I think J.J. Abrams does have everything he needs to, as which is not, not intentional, but is exactly what Leia said at the end of The Last Jedi. We have everything we need. So I think he has everything he needs to make a really strong finale not only for the sequel trilogy but for the saga in general 
And I'm hoping that he pulls it off. Uh, I, I, it's crazy to me that it, it's been four years already since The Force Awakens. Feels like just yesterday, Kai and I were doing our two-part uh, podcast episodes on those on that film, and um, it's uh, it, you know it's it's crazy how fast characters like Rey and Kylo Ren and Finn and Poe and BB-8, who my daughter has a toy of because she found it in my stash over here and just like like claimed it as her own basically um it's crazy how quickly those characters became such a part of the cultural lexicon and such uh and so beloved um i i mean i obviously wasn't alive in 1977 when the original star wars came out but i don't even know if then uh you know those characters caught on so quickly as they do now i mean granted you have decades of history so we're all kind of bought into this franchise to begin with but daisy ridley was such a revelation as ray uh, and Adam Driver, who I was sort of familiar with, I knew who he was. I'd seen him in a couple of movies. I never watched Girls or anything like that. So, um, you know, I, this was probably my the, my strongest introduction to him thus far. Um, and John Boyega, who's basically only in Attack the Block. Like, these, these actors have so owned these roles uh, in the way that the original trio really did. So I, I really am very, very invested in Ray's journey, particularly... And I, I hope that this, I hope that they, uh, they do that justice and they don't let her storyline get mired in the fact that, in the fact that they're, this film is serving the, a trilogy, but also a saga that came before it. And I hope that that, that doesn't get sacrificed just because this is the last film, um, of the Skywalker story. So we'll see how this goes. I'm very intrigued by this. Uh, by this trailer, by this the footage that we've seen. Hopefully, I know there will probably be at least another trailer or two. Hopefully, they can you, know, you closely to this model and give us images, but not really reveal anything. The trailers for The Last Jedi and The Force Awakens have sort of did that pretty well, so I'm hoping that that stays, uh, that stays remains to be the case. Um, but obviously I'll be watching, watching whatever Rise of Skywalker does with great interest going forward. So, uh, that'll be the end of this episode of the Cricket Table Podcast. Next week, I'll be back with another episode that is yet to be determined, still working out the details on that, but it should be a return to our regular format. I have very exciting guests coming up in the weeks ahead. So stay tuned for that, especially if you're a Star Wars fan. Uh, we may have a Star Wars episode in the pipeline in the next few weeks, so definitely keep an eye out for that. And uh, thanks for listening to my hour-long thoughts on The Rise of Skywalker. And I'd love to hear what you think about it. So hit me up on Twitter and social media and let me know what you thought of this episode or in The Rise of Skywalker trailer so that uh, we can continue the conversation. We have a long wait until December 20th. So uh, let's let's keep each other company. We got we to gotta end the saga in a few months. So uh, let's enjoy the speculation while we still have it. If you're interested in joining me on the show to chat about one of your favorite films, head on over to crookedtable.com slash guest. Or you can consider supporting the show at patreon.com slash crookedtable. Of course, you can always find more podcasts, reviews, videos, and other movie-related goodies over at crookedtable.com. Until next time, this has been the Crooked Table Podcast, and I've been Rob. This has been a production of crookedtable.com. All rights reserved. Z-R-O-O-K-E-D. 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 Z-R-O